Good day, my friends. And I'm back. I'm back at you with another Black History Moment with Bo. And I hope this day finds you well and your life in somewhat of a controllable order. We can't ask for any more than that. Because I don't believe you have to be better than everybody else. I believe you have to be better than you ever thought you could be. And with that being said, let's slip into a little darkness. You know, I think it's a shame that the Olympics are barring Richardson from running for smoking marijuana. It seems the World Doping Agency, whatever the hell that is, said that marijuana could be a performance-enhancing drug. Well, hell, if that was the case, I would have been in the Olympics all of the 70s and the 80s. In the 1968 Summer Games, Tommy Smith and John Carlos raised their fists in protest, and their medals were stripped from them. And the little known fact is that there was a runner from Australia who stood by them, and his name was Peter Norman, and it cost him his career. Norman was a silver medalist, and he didn't even raise his fist that day, but he stood with Smith and Carlos. Smith and Carlos, who had won gold and bronze, agreed to use their medal wins as an opportunity to highlight the social issues going on within the United States at that time. Racial tensions were high, and the civil rights movement had given way to the black power movement. Smith and Carlos were frustrated by what they saw as the passive nature of the civil rights movement. They sought out active forms of protest and advocated for racial pride. They helped organize the Olympic Project for Human Rights, a group that reflected their black pride and social consciousness. The group saw the Olympic Games as an opportunity to agitate for better treatment of black athletes and black people around the world. Its demands, including hiring more black coaches and rescinding Olympic invitations to Rhodesia and South Africa, both which practice apartheid. And the idea was to boycott the Olympics altogether. Then Smith and Carlos decided to compete in hopes that they could use their achievements as a platform for broader change. It was a cry for freedom and for human rights. That's what Smith told a Smithsonian magazine in 2008. We had to be seen because we couldn't be heard. Australian runner Norman was caught up in this mess. And Norman was a relatively unknown, but he became a major contender in Australian track and field. And like the United States, at that time, Australia was experiencing racial tensions of its own. For years, it had been governed by its white Australia policy, which dramatically limited immigration to the country by non-white people. 
While Australian government welcomed new residents from predominantly white areas like the Baltics, and it turned down non-European migrants all the time. Nine Australians weren't the only people discriminated against. Aboriginal Australians, too, were historically oppressed in the country, which forced Aboriginal children into boarding schools while removing others from their families and placing them with white households. Now, my friends, I just want to stop here to mention that CBS did a story a couple of days ago about all of the mass graves found in British Columbia, Canada, at the site of these Catholic churches. Now, this was indigenous children that had been taken from their families in Canada and forced into these Catholic schools where their hair was cut. They were forced to speak English and not allowed to speak their language and was forced into the Catholic religion. Over 600 graves were found in British Columbia. Now, my friends, do you see the common denominator here? The common denominator, without any doubt, is whiteness. And if you listen to one of my earlier episodes on Indian schools, the same thing was happening into the United States, where the theme was kill the Indian and save the boy. This is genocide by whiteness all over the world, trying to turn indigenous people into whiteness. Nearly all religions were brought to people and imposed on people by conquerors and used as the framework to control their minds. And these schools existed in the United States, Canada, Australia, well up into the 1970s. So please excuse me for kind of getting distracted from, <laughs> from the main story here. As the athletes Carlos and Smith waited to go onto the podium, they told Norman that they planned to use their win as an opportunity to protest. Smith and Carlos decided to appear on the podium bearing symbols of protest and strength. Black socked feet without shoes to bring attention to black poverty, beads to protest lynching, and raised black fists to represent their solidarity and support with black people and oppressed people around the world. I looked at my feet in my high socks and thought about all the black poverty I'd seen from Harlem to East Texas. I fingered my beads and thought about the pictures I'd seen of the strange fruit swinging from the poplar trees of the South. Carlos later wrote, Carlos realized he had forgotten his gloves and Norman suggested the American athletes share a pair. The Australian also asked how he could support his fellow medalists. They suggested he wear a badge for the Olympic Project of Human Rights. Norman didn't raise his fist, but by wearing the badge, he made his stance clear. 
And when the Americans raised their fists, the stadium went quiet, then burst into racist sneers and angry insults. Smith and Carlos were rushed from the stadium, suspended by the U.S. team, and kicked out of the Olympic Village for turning their medal ceremony into a political statement. They went home to the United States only to face serious backlash, including death threats. Death threats, can you believe that? Simply for protesting what they thought was injustice to people of color. However, Carlos and Smith were both gradually re-accepted into the Olympic fold and went on to careers in professional football before retiring. Norman, however, was punished severely by the Australian sports establishment. And although he qualified for the Olympic team over and over again, posting the fastest times by far in Australia, he was snubbed by the team in 1972. Rather than to allow Norman to compete, the Australians did not send a sprinter at all. Norman immediately retired from the sport and began to suffer from depression, alcoholism, and a painkiller addiction. During that time, he used his silver medal as a doorstop and died without being acknowledged for his contribution to the sport. Although he kept his silver medal, he was regularly excluded from it related to the sport. Even when the Olympics came to Sydney in 2000, he was not recognized. When Norman died in 2006, Carlos and Smith, who had kept in touch with Norman for years, were pallbearers at the Australian's funeral. It took until 2012 for the Australian government to apologize for the treatment Norman received in his home country. But even though it cost him his career and much of his happiness, Norman would have done it over again. I won a silver medal, he told the New York Times in 2000. But really, I ended up running the fastest race of my life to become part of something that transcended the games. My friends, Australia was just as bad, or if not worse, than the United States is. And for a longer period of time, you must read their history and you will find out how whiteness runs that country. Would it made a difference if the United States had boycotted the Olympics? Because truth be told, how many Olympic points would the United States gather if it weren't for people of color? And Peter Norman, rest in peace. We are sorry for what you went through because you decided to do the right thing. And they don't talk much about James Francis Thorpe who was an American athlete and Olympic gold medalist, a member of the Sack and Fox Nation, 
Thorpe became the first Native American to win a gold medal for the United States. And the reason that they don't talk about him is because he was a Carlisle Indian Industrial School student that was brought to Carlisle, Pennsylvania from Lincoln County, Oklahoma. But my friends, that's the story for another time. And that music tells me once again, it is time for me to go. But before I do, I want to leave you with this. Learn the truth. Wherever you live in this country, indigenous people live there first. Whatever city you call home was first populated by tribes. In essence, this entire country was built on an Indian burial ground. Please pay your respects. Until next time, my friends, it's been my honor.